Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Homo Sapiens listeners. I'm just jumping on here. Did you hear me jump? To tell you that we have exciting news. If you want to listen to Homo Sapiens without the ads, now you can. You can subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus on Apple Podcasts and all future episodes will be ad free. How do you sign up? Well, go inside your Apple Podcasts app, go to our Homo Sapiens homepage, and the option to subscribe to Homo Sapiens Plus for £1.49 a month is there. There's also BT Dubs, a seven-day free trial available, so you can try before you buy, which is my favourite. I like to do that in the supermarket whenever they've got a little snack being handed out. Anyway, I digress. Hello, welcome to part two of our chat with Dr. Ronks. I'm learning loads. Hope you are too. If you haven't heard part one, that's on the feed. Go listen to there first. If you have, here's part two. Tell me about your childhood. So people always ask, and I think there's this assumption that I had like this rosy childhood. I did not have a great childhood. The long and short of it is I left home when I was 16. And I think all those years ago, so I'm 38 now, so 16, Mm. that's a very, I've been out of my home longer than I was actually in home and I think for me I basically had a life of very lucky situations and people seeing things in me that I literally don't I didn't see myself like even just being on telly I did not see that as something for myself but people saw something in me and gave me jobs and even my friends are like of course that was going to happen of course that was going to happen but um (laughs) Part of having a difficult upbringing is one of the reasons why I'm so really dedicated to young people. Because I, if we think about kind of like um, factors or predictors of crime and um, poor outcomes in young people, I had loads of them, pretty much all of them. But what I, what I had, which kind of tipped the balance, were people that believed in me. And I think... Right we as a kind of community as people that are now in privileged positions or can make decisions or make things happen really need to see beyond the um stereotypes which are put out there in the media such as like kids wearing hoodies and you know black boys with knives and you know parents that take drugs and have children obviously they are not great things but there has to be an element where we think about people's humanity and mm-hmm. people aren't born bad. Do you know what I mean? We are products of our environment. And I've just been so lucky to have friends which become family who were able to enable me to couture a life that I would never have expected for myself, you know? So there's a lot of me that really wants to dedicate a lot of me to doing that for other people. It's so wonderful. And, like, you know, as I get older, I this is not an epiphany that's mine like, this isn't new news at all but like all I'm looking for anywhere is compassion like if someone is compassionate yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah. let's talk yeah. you know yeah and if someone isn't it's a real like it's hard, isn't it? I'm out. It's, hard. Mm. it's hard 
And don't get me wrong, as a doctor, I definitely live at times with compassion fatigue. Sometimes I'm definitely, I'm like, I couldn't care less. Like, and I, and that's not, a, and it, honestly, it's not a me being mean or judgy. It's a me being, I have nothing to give. Do you know what I mean? And an example yeah. I use is that I posted today that at the weekend, me and my mate saw this absolutely paralytic young person. And for some reason, I think it was the high of seeing Grace Jones. We were we had it in us to get her a taxi home, even though she was disgustingly drunk. Um, on another day, I could have walked past her. Do you know what I mean? And that's not me not mm -hmm. caring about mm -hmm. her. It's me sometimes recognising that, I don't, I don't, I just don't have it in me. And that's not, I'm not proud of that, but yeah, I'm not always compassionate. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're not also Dr. Planet, you know what I mean? Like you're <laughs> yeah. not in charge of the welfare of everyone on no, this soil. No, you know what I mean? but I carry a lot of guilt when I see it's hard, man, because you know, there's still an element of me that remembers the ronks from like, you know, 20, 25 years or whatever ago that needed, mm. uh, needed people to look beyond what they were seeing. And so like, I, I, I definitely, um, I've developed this, what do you call it? Um, I developed this and which I'm really proud of actually is where I actually stop and think. <laughs> Like, you know, you tell... What's it called? It's called, um, what's that thing? Thinking, yeah. that's but it. But it's true. Like, you go around and you say to kids, no, I get stop it. and think before you do that. None of us do that. And I've only yeah, just yeah, yeah. learned, and I would say this year, it's actually now something that I actively do. If somebody is annoying me, I or, 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 or if somebody rings me and goes, Ronks, 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 I need your help. Or I get a text saying, oh, Ronks, you got a minute. I actually sit there and go... Do you have a minute? Do you have time for this person? Mm. Is it going to be quality time? How are you going to respond? And I never had that. And that and not having it makes you really tired. So, yeah. Yes. Well, I think it comes down to and just a theory, but like I think if you don't have that mm. like you're describing, mm. it it's about you don't have enough or any respect for yourself. You don't think you're worth pushing back on anything. You're like, I'm not worth it. And then as you slowly start to realise where that's getting yeah. you, which is probably in more trouble yeah. and feeling <laughs> more less stress, happy. Yeah. And it's the same, it's not reacting, not being a stimulus, yeah. or being reacting to stimulus the whole time. Like being like, I, I almost feel like trying to be like a cruise liner, yeah, just, just going take through a things step like back. this. It's hard because we all, as LGBTQI people, I think we're all a little bit codependent. I think we all are mm. people pleasers. We all, because of trauma and the way society has seen us traditionally and historically, we all feel empathy for each other in terms of, yeah, it must be hard for you. It must be hard for you. Or, and some of us sometimes use crutches to help us get through life. So I think it's really hard to take a step back and reflect on what is happening in the moment. I just like, it's just mm. something that I thought I did and I never did. I absolutely never did. I was always mm. reacting. And so yeah, 38 years it's taken me to get to a place where I can, I feel like I can say no, which is... Um... Wow, 40 is faster than most people, <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> no, but you think of all of the... 
I, th- I guess for me, I think things on terms of, I was actually talking to a friend, a nurse friend yesterday. Like everybody says, oh, being a doctor, it means that you're really quick with your hands and you're quick thinking, blah, blah, blah. But the flip side is that, is that I probably live on cortisol. And what people don't realise mm. is that cortisol, the stress hormone, in little doses is brilliant. Gets you to A to B, gets you doing things, gets you fight and flight, gets you out of dangerous situations. But if you're constantly always up there it has detrimental effects on your health like your immune system Mm. your um uh, risk of cancer risk of blood pressure risk of hypertension risk of dementia risk of autoimmune conditions all of these things become realities as we get older and so sometimes you need a moment like i was getting throughout the pandemic i just kept getting covid like you have to say what am i gonna do and like even justin bieber with his um face paralysis um one of the risk factors for reactivation of the virus which caused um that facial nerve paralysis is stress and so sometimes it's only until you see the physical manifestations of your upregulated system and your reaction and your stress and your anger towards the world that you realize shit i want to live a bit longer and i need to do something Mm. about it yeah so you start leaving those girls lying in the street drunk. No, I'm joking. I'm sure she wasn't in trouble. And I'm, I know you did call it. You did call her a cab anyway. But you didn't have you? to think about what you do though. Do you call her a cab? Do you say, "Are you okay?" She says yes, and you walk away. Do you put her somewhere where there's bright lights and people around? Like it's it's what you do. Do you know what I mean? Not necessarily the end yeah. point. It's how yeah. much energy you give to that moment. Yes. And can I ask you about? Um, something fascinating you said oh. which um <laughs> you're like oh wonder what it was. <laughs> we talk a lot about uh we have done on this podcast about queer temporality mm. and about how queer people often reach milestones at different times yeah, and absolutely. don't do things at the same times uh, but then you were actually talking in a medical sense about like trauma delays your milestones is that true absolutely. and trauma can be i would say trauma is anything that disrupts your status quo your being be it physically spiritually in terms of your mental health um anything that affects that so it's a spectrum a trauma could be something that you see it could be something that you experience trauma also can be you know there are um, uh, scientists and doctors that feel that it could be in your dna and it can be passed through um, from mother to child it can be in your d um can be physiological um for me um it's important that people know that trauma doesn't have to be that something catastrophically massive happened to you it can be the attrition of uh, microaggressions on a daily basis that can be trauma Mm -hmm. it can be your pronouns being denied people refuse to to use your pronouns on a daily on a daily basis. So trauma is a spectrum and it can have varied effects on people. That's what I would say. That's probably not a definition as per the dictionary, but I think it's important that people understand that trauma doesn't have to be you're hit by a car. Right. Yeah, and actually trauma is often queerness, right? Yeah. Like it, it can be associated with knowing you're queer. Yeah, 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 which way can bring up trauma and trauma feelings and yeah, 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 yeah. Because I I um I, when you said it, uh, I was like, oh, that's really interesting because there's always been this thing for me, like as a kid, mm. that I was like never a moody teenager. And I was just like really nice as pie throughout the whole thing. And I think what was going on there is that 
I like you were saying earlier about you know people pleasers I had some deep sense that I was broken so I needed everybody to like me and there was no way I was ever going to express out loud my mood or whatever like I was so different to other kids at school for that reason let alone others but did you have delays of your own for the same reasons I think um and I shared that experience with you as well I spent a lot of time people pleasing being loud hyper focusing on like my um academia as a way to detract people from actually getting to my core and I think a lot of LGBTQI Mm -hmm. people have that shared experience um in our youth because that behavior is um is protective the problem is is when Mm -hmm. we become adults it doesn't become protective it actually is detrimental and and examples I would give to you is that I would get into relationships with people who actually genuinely loved me but because I was I didn't have love for myself and because I was in the nature of doing things which meant that people couldn't actually get to know me that is really you know that really puts people mm-hmm. off because people can see through facades. People can see the misalignment with behaviour and actual yeah. words which somebody says. Do you know what I mean? And so I spent a lot of my adulthood in therapy and reading books, like like reading Bell Hooks and currently reading Patrice and um, um, what Angela Davis, just trying to understand um the 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 intersections of my being and how that interacts with my trauma and how now my trauma is no longer a protective thing for me and actually is a hindrance and the problem I guess we have in this society is that the trauma that's displayed on telly is usually white western uh, heterosexual eurocentric trauma of which a lot of us are just like I don't like I'm watching this like it's sad but it ain't my life do you know what I mean? So you watch something like Moonlight, just as an example, and you're like, yeah. oh, my God. You remember Moonlight, right? Mm. And that was, yeah, even yeah, though yeah, it wasn't, absolutely. I'm not a black lad, I still, were bits of it, I was like, wow, I've never seen that mm. on telly before. And so, mm. um, yeah. And so in terms of milestones, oh, yes, all my milestones were absolutely, de- um, have been completely delayed. But the thing that I've had to grow to learn is that, milestones are constructs do you know what I mean and I I, you know Mm -hmm. I went to university a bit later because I had to work and um, I didn't have family support I graduated a bit later because I failed a couple of years because I was out clubbing and living my life because I I didn't do that as a as a teenager and then um, you know I become I became a doctor Um, I'm um, I did my exams a bit later than everybody else I haven't finished my exams by now I should be a consultant I don't want to be a consultant because I I enjoy talking to people on the ground floor and I've got my telly job. And so although my life, you know, I don't have a car, mm. I rent, I don't know how to drive, don't know how to swim. Sometimes when I'm in my feels, like perhaps like around, you know, that time of the month, um, I feel a bit sad about everything. But ultimately, a part of unlearning, uh, uh, de-traumatising yourself is realising that there is no set path. And that's really easy for me to say, but living that and really appreciating that where I am right now is exactly where I'm meant to be is not easy. Mm. Yeah. And also, do you think that like we all set these stupid things of milestones Mm. for ourselves 
But then you think, well, probably, and I'm talking about yours and my generation, mm. maybe more than other generations, mm. we didn't want to be LGBTQ plus, probably in those moments when we were young. And actually, that's been the best thing about our lives. So, you know, messing up the milestones yeah. is actually the best thing that will ever happen to a- you, right? Absolutely. I mean, I can't lie. I never, ever, ever did not ever not want to be gay. Like, I didn't know right. I was queer. Uh, well, I use queer now, but I didn't, back when I identified as cis female, I didn't realise I was a lesbian. I, I had really intense attractions to, because I went to a girls' school, to some of the girls in mm. my school. I I think I made out of a couple of lads. Didn't really, I was like, this doesn't feel, I'm feeling nothing here. I'm just doing <laughs> it because everyone else is doing it. Do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> yes. I went to university yeah. and I was like, whoa and then like spent all my time in soho when soho was the mecca of gayness queerness um but what i what i never really ever didn't want to not be gay because for me my family came from the queer people i met in like because there was a time i think when we were younger where there was all these lost lgbtqi people who would just descend to Soho and you made like really weirdly, I have some of my best friends, Zara, who I've known for 20 years. I met in the old Astoria and um, we became best friends. You remember that Astoria in the, on the corner? Yeah. yeah. People, there are people yeah, that don't even know that that existed. Yeah. So uh, um, yeah, I, my best, some of the best friends are people I met on the scene and we were all lost souls and came together because we were looking for family. We were looking for that something do you know what i mean so um yeah i never not wanted i never ever i I have never not wanted to be gay what i've not wanted is the reality of how people perceive us that's what i dislike i don't understand why we can't all just live together that that i find that discombobulating well i do on an intellectual level i understand but on a humanity level i don't understand why you would deny anybody's existence Yes. And do do you think that you, because being trans non-binary, mm. right, is I, like, I sort of only refer it back to myself, because I don't want to put words in your yes. mouth, if you know what I mean. But like, I knew I was a gay kid, and I could point at two people on the telly. And I so I was like, that's what I am. But there's a wall, a, quite a simple mm. wall between me mm. and that, which is, I just can't tell people. But for you, when we're roughly the same age, those words weren't out there they were not they were not what were you like when was that moment where you're like ah trans non-binary is what so that is that's that's a really good question because when i was younger i just was attracted to to women cis women and so um i was quite boy well i was boyish but then again i did play with very girly clothes and i was modeling for a bit so i did have like a, a my girly clothes fit me I look nice in them and so I would wear them sometimes as I progressed through university I adopted more of a boyish stance and for a while I thought maybe I wanted to be a lad like but I didn't but being being called she her madam whatever just didn't feel great so I thought I wanted Mm. to be a lad and then and then it was only until I started meeting quite revolutionary black queer people that I realised that there was this whole discussion around gender, sexuality, um, presentation um, that I I was, I had no idea about. And it was going to Berlin. So going to Berlin and Uh meeting 
um, people. Like, I remember meeting this person who was like, my pronouns are horse. And I was like, sorry? <laughs> and they were like, you call me horse. And I was like, I'll call you horse, but I don't understand. And I remember them sitting me down and taking a, a moment to help me understand that, you know, that um, they didn't want to be seen as a woman. They didn't want to be seen as a man. Um and society didn't allow for there to be something which something which wasn't that. So they referred, they wanted people to refer to them as horse. And I would scratch my head and be like, this person's mentally unwell. But it was the more times I went to Berlin, I just had such an affinity to Berlin. I would meet all these people that were just really like interrogating this my status quo because I didn't do gender studies. I didn't learn... Uh, politics or yeah. any of that stuff at university. I learned medicine. I learned the human body, yeah. how to fix it, why it goes wrong, uh, pharmaceutical, <laughs> ph um, pharmacology, blah, blah, blah. I didn't, I, I didn't do anything that was about exploring humans. And so, um, yeah. And then I started to like, I shaved my hair. I was wearing different clothing. I would say to uh, like, it was, and then my friends would say to me, oh, Ronks, people are asking us if you're trans. And I was like, I'm not trans. I'm just ronks. So mm. for a long time, my mm. my um, f Facebook profile was just ronks because people would be like, are you a boy? Are you a girl? And I'd be like, no, I'm just ronks. I'm ronks, just ronks. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until um, I was toying with the idea of being non-binary. And then my I was like, I'm a doctor. Like, I can't force patients to call me they, them, because ultimately if somebody's in hospital, I'm centering their well-being. It's about them. It's not about me. I'm a healthcare provider. Mm. But then all these people are like, oh, Ronks, you know, I've never met someone like you. I've never met a doctor that looks like you. You're so openly yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then I went to a Planning to Rock gig. Um, Planning to Rock is an artist who's non-binary femme. So they then pronouns, but presentation is very um, femme, feminine. And I, I just had an epiphany. I was like, what am I doing here? Like... I don't want to be a man. I don't want to be a woman. I just want to be ronks. I don't want people to call me sir, madam, blah, blah. I just either call me doctor, call me by my first name, call me they, them. And then I had my chest surgery, which was like the best thing I'd ever done in my whole entire life. And then I went to Plans Rock Gid and they've got a song called Much Too Much. And in it, they talk yeah. about how the world tells us that we are too much. But actually, we're not too much. We're, our muchness is... Is, is 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 ourselves it's what we thrive on and if we're too much for you then you need to think about that that's something for you to think about not for us to to, to change to mm -hmm. fit into your narrative yeah so trans non-binary mm -hmm. feels really great because trans in terms of i feel like i'm transitioning out of the gender binary and non-binary yeah. is my pronouns so i don't want to be a woman i don't want to be a man i'm not trans mask per se or I'm well, I'm trans mask, but not a trans man, if that makes sense. I'm not a binary man. And so yeah. um yeah, it's it's um it feels really I feel great. Feels great. Brilliant. It's so lovely to hear and to hear that you have found your version mm. and i i always think of it like um do you remember when mobile phones first came yeah. out and you could get like there was like one mobile phone plan <laughs> yeah. and then and maybe there were two yeah and it was all very binary yeah. and then they invented bolt-ons yeah. do you remember yeah. and you could buy extra texts yeah, 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 and you could yeah, yeah. buy like extra minutes yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's sort of like what happened when you met horse because it's like yeah. you realize that it can all you just bolt on which bits you like Absolutely. and you go that's me and that's all, all that matters but if you don't know that that's an option 
I always say to parents, I'm not out here say, telling you that your kids should be gay, your kids should be trans. I, I, like, I don't necessarily have a gay agenda. My agenda is to ensure that people know that there are options of existence, that they, mm-hmm. that yes, at the moment, you know, they they feel maybe that they're attracted to the people of the same sex as them. That might change. Um, yes, at the moment, you know, they uh, they they are a Christian. That might change. I want people to be open to change and open to accepting that other people live parallel to them. And it's not a threat mm. to their existence. I am not a threat to your existence. If I'm a threat to you, then you need to think about your existence and what it is about your existence that you feel is fragile because you know when people say oh you know heterosexuality and you know whiteness is a a threat it really isn't we're just interrogating a status quo which we have allowed to be the predominant voice You said a lovely thing, which was that if you hadn't been paralysed by fear, you might not have become a doctor. T- tell me more about that. I loved it. Uh, well, it's 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 so funny because fear for me was a really great motivator when I was younger. So when I was younger, um, the fear of failure made me work hard. The fear of not being a doctor made me do things Unfortunately, as you get older, you like I said, you often find that these become paralyzing and actually stop you from doing things. So now the fear, like, for example, um, um, one of the reasons I haven't finished one of my exams or I haven't um, finished an exam is because the fear of being a bit more senior in my department is a bit much. I'm like to be in charge of people. No, I'm not. I can't do that. I'll shout at people. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, 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 although I'm a people person, I can't stand. I'm intolerant of um, incompetence. And being a good manager or a leader means that you need to be um, more. To- you need to be tolerant of the variety of people's abilities. And I think yeah. one of my flaws is that um, I can get annoyed quite quickly. <laughs> and because I recognise that, and I'm afraid of that it has stopped me from perhaps um accelerating a bit more in my medical career but do you know what it is what it is and yeah it is what it is but yeah fear paralyzed me well no 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 what did what did you say did you say that fear paralyzed me when I was younger what did you say I forgot I think what what you were talking about it was on um I can't remember where where you said it but it was talking about how if you hadn't sort of decided that you needed to fit in and do something perhaps quite oh, traditional, like being mean. a doctor, yeah. then you wouldn't have ended up being a doctor. But actually what's amazing about that is that you have a dimension to your life, one, that is beyond your identity, and two, actually, we need doctors that look, sound, are like you to actually create change as well, right? It's so interesting because I always say this to people. I have been lucky and unlucky. So not having a relationship with my parents, and I'm essentially estranged from them, in some respects has, um, st- um, what's the word, stifled me 
I would say in some forms of my emotional capacity and emotional intelligence, something I've had to learn and read about and uh, um, d- um, absorb via os- osmosis by secure and safe people in my life. But that absence of relationship with my parents has also meant that I've been able to be the person that I want to be. I don't have a familial, overbearing kind of pull to be straight or to fit into perhaps traditional Nigerian constructs, which, um, yeah, Mm. it's interesting because, you know, there was a time in my life when all I probably wanted was to have familial love in my life. And that's where I would say getting into relationships, which a lot of LGBTQI people do, is get into relationships with people we shouldn't because we're trying to replace mother, father, brother, sister figures. Do you know what I mean? Like loads of us do. There's so many black and brown and also white folk um, who have left home because of um, homophobia, transphobia, blah, 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 blah. That's not the reason I left home, but there is, you know, that's a a familiar trend that we know. And so we seek that love from either substances or from people and it often doesn't turn out well. Um, But on the other hand, like I said, for me, it meant that I had no restrictions to being the person that I've wanted to be. The only restriction was myself and my self-esteem and my ability to um, actually be my own cheerleader. That's something that's grown with time. But it meant that, you know, I went to uni, I went to uni and I wore what I want because there was nobody to tell me <laughs> that I couldn't. Do you know what yes. I mean? I was loud really and probably a bit obnoxious, but nobody could tell me, you know, I, I was an unfiltered raw wrongs, which, it, which back then was bloody fantastic. But as I've got older, I've had to learn that um, there are some social cues and social behaviours which I didn't have because nobody taught me that I've had to learn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. And why did you leave home? Because I I didn't get on with my parents. I essentially, home was not a a safe place for me. And for me, I, I still, I look at it as something that I needed to do. I mean, my ther- mm-hmm. my therapist, um, the therapist I used to see, and my friends were like, "Do you not realise that is a fan- that's a revolutionary thing?" Like in the um, in the nineties, people didn't leave home. Do you know what I mean? Or early two thousands, whatever, whenever it was, yeah, yeah. people people just didn't leave home. They just put up with stuff. Um, I wouldn't recommend it now. <laughs> I would say it would be great for schools and um, caregivers and people in authority to under to see if people are struggling and you know it'll be better the resources should be there and i think they're better here they're better present than they were in the past but um it for me it was a necessity because i guess i I, it's weird because i think about it and i'm like i just knew that i needed to get out of this unsafe environment otherwise i wasn't going to thrive it was just i literally woke up one day and was like "I'm, i'm leaving this place i am leaving i didn't think about it I didn't have much. I didn't think about what was going to happen, where I was going to live, what was I going to do. I just didn't, I didn't think about that. I just had this innate understanding that I needed to exit this situation. Maybe I had a guardian Mm. angel. I don't know. Do you all still have any kind of relationship? So no, no, no. I don't even know where my parents are at the moment. And I think for me, because there's a lot of, in our kind of Nigerian culture, there's a lot of discussion about like kind of forgiveness and reconciliation and blah, blah, blah. For me, um, I think for some people that's okay. For me, I've had to accept, and this is part of responding and not reacting, is doing what's important for me. And a Mm. lot of 
text um, in terms of like understanding familial relationships and stuff like that says that our parents, our brothers, sisters, um, cousins, whatever, they're just, they are people and people make mistakes, but people also need to be accountable for the things that they do. And just because they're blood and people say blood is stronger than water, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we only live one life. And if your life is going to be filled with um, living up to other people's expectations, yeah, you might have a roof over your head. You might have somebody who gives you money and you've got a trust fund and blah, blah, blah. But are you happy? And I've had to really centre my happiness, which is something that is really hard for us LGBTQI people to do because we're often trying to minimise ourselves and be liked by other people. And it's taken a long time, but I've decided that um, actually I need to keep it moving with my life because everything I've mm -hmm. done in my life has been that it's been because I've done it there's been no familial input and yeah sometimes you just gotta let things go yeah I I hear you and it's amazing and you I don't know everything you do makes me it just makes me really happy <laughs> which is why I want you to tell me the story about uh Black Panther when you saw Black Panther because I just think it's such a beautiful thing that you did oh up to the anniversary or maybe we've passed the anniversary of that literally literally just saw black panther with a mate and was like this is this is wild this is amazing and so a mate and i back in the days of facebook um uh were just like look we want to take a, a group of kids in hackney to see black panther who um i'm quite trustworthy if you can give me um like you could pay for one ticket then we can send a kid and people just put money in my bank account and then the theatre, which was Genesis in Bow on my lens, um, said for every ticket, they'll they'll give a ticket, which was amazing. And then we managed amazing. to send about 800 people. Um, is it 800 or is it 400? Wow. I can't remember. It was such a long time ago. But we sent loads of people to see Black Panther. <laughs> and it was amazing because we it's were in beautiful. this theatre and there was all these kids. Some were only three years old and their families. Mm. And it was so quiet. Like, And then when there yeah. were bits, you'd wow. hear kids go wow like it was just awesome yeah. it was it was just awesome and it was like then I realized that you know you know young um, black and brown kids and like people from working class families we really 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 are influenced by seeing aspects of our experience um reflected in the medias do you know what I mean so mm, it's yeah. so important and I think the media is catching up now because I watch like the BBC or Channel 4 or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I didn't, this wasn't around when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. No. no. So, yeah. And um, yeah, how do you feel about it? I mean, the, the progress is good or where are we at? It's interesting because there's so much intellectual debate about um, diversity and um, the importance of it and how we, how we uh, encourage diversity without it being tokenism or without it being like a bit of um like oh today's our this is our black diversity week so we're gonna have lots of black people on the telly but next week you know we've forgotten um yeah. i think that more is always good and i think it can't just be in front of the camera it needs to be behind the camera there needs to be parity of pay we really need to be seeing black and browns people's lived experience as something that we value and value is like monetary it's um it's crediting 
it's um, um, I do think that an element of positive and I don't like the word discrimination because discrimination has negative um, connotations. But there has to be an element of being like, do you know what? We need a black person doing this or we need an Asian person doing this. We need to have people delivering services and reflecting the people that the services are delivered to. An example being mm. is that um, Homerton amazingly has um, a black um, a black antenatal class, a class for run by black people, black um, specialists for pe- black people in the community. And, you know, if you are somebody who is a little bit like, ooh, what about us? Then you need to think, actually, I'm not a black person or I'm not an Asian person, I'm not a Chinese person, I'm not a Turkish person, I'm not a Jewish person. There are elements of those people's existence that I have no idea about and also are not relevant mm. to me. So why would I deny them access to the best um, information, knowledge and resources um, so that they can have safe births? Like we know that black people, black and brown people are more likely to die in pregnancy so or or, or uh, postpartum or have more complications so why wouldn't we divert some money to ensuring that those people have a better quality of life and better outcomes for me it's a no brainer mm. no there is enough money to go there really is enough money to go around it's just that some people have had more money or money used uh, managed incorrectly do you know what i mean it's we have to think about other people. We we all matter. And I know all lives matter is um not something that, you know, it's a bit eh. But I when I, I mean it in like the purest sense is that like all yes. of us matter. So if we all matter, then we need to at times be like black people matter because shit is happening for them and we need to divert some funds for black people, for Asian people, for Jewish people. We just can't be mm. we just can't be sad yeah. about that, do you know what I mean? It makes no sense to me. <laughs> no, I d- listen, I hear you, I hear you. It's well, it's compassion again. We're back to compassion. Be compassionate first. Exactly. Think about it from other people's perspective, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, but that's hard because we live in an egotistic society where, you know, we're encouraged to think about you know, we do live in a society where we're encouraged to think about ourselves and how we look and the the difference we're making in the world and influence a culture. You know, I'm not gonna diss it, but it does center the individual so very true um this has been the most lovely chat in the world <laughs> i could talk forever i'm sorry <laughs> wasn't that jolly thank you rock for taking the time to chat to us i really really thoroughly enjoyed that next week listeners the football world cup starts in qatar and so we are going to be speaking to none other than Zander Murray. Zander Murray is that footballer who was all over the papers recently. He's the Scottish League football player who has recently... Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Didn't come out and we're going to be having a right old chat about queerness and football and his thoughts on Qatar. He is such a beautiful example he feels like the beginning of a wonderful wave you know we had Josh Cavallo come out earlier in the year as well uh it's so nice to see progress being done with people like him coming out in you know major league football would that be the right thing to say I need to dust up on my dust up dust down brush up dust down brush up on my football before um uh I get on the you know chat with him i'm sure he won't care uh get in touch with us stay connected at homo sapiens on instagram at homo sapiens podcast on facebook email your comments your questions and your agony uncles agony uncles send us your problems hello at homo sapiens podcast.com stay in touch tell me what you're having for dinner whatever you like please let's do it all right listeners this has been wonderful do stay in touch and ta for now Powered by Spirit Studios.